Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 143. I am your host this week, Hiraku Shida. I mean, I'm sorry. That's not me. My name is Micah. Micah, right? Every time. These are pre-recorded. You think we could get it right. Good Lord. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I'm your host, Micah. I'm here with my brother, Matt Sin. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Micah. See, you, you pre-recorded. We should be able to get these things down. I know. I don't know. We, we rehearsed this and everything. I don't understand crazy. what the deal is. It's crazy. Makes no sense. Uh, well, we're here to talk this week about AEW Dynamite. We have no WWE for you this week. That's right. Zero zilch nada not a bit of WWE program this week. You know why? Because we didn't want to. That's all it boils down to. We love you. We're glad you listened to us. And if you if you ask for it, we would do it for you. But as of right now, we're just not going to do it. As we said a few weeks ago, we're kind of fed up with the way things are going. And uh, we're going to watch what we enjoy. And what we enjoy is AEW Dynamite. And uh, yeah, let's get into tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite, which I thought was a pretty good one barring a few production issues that they only had a week to prepare for so they always have production uh, issues on these pre-tape shows it's 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 astonishing to me how bad the production quality is on a pre-tape show versus a recorded show and it, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me i mean right from the get-go on this episode when they opened up my wife looked at me and she said oh you can tell the show's pre-recorded because the audio is terrible you yeah. can't hear the announcers. The uh, I guess because they're, they're piping in crowd noise, maybe, and they don't know how to balance it. Uh, the crowd is like overbearing and muffling out. Like I, I had it on like the stereo system, so like the bass is booming from the crowd, but you can't hear what Jr. and Tony said. And again, after a few minutes, they get it, they get it fixed pretty much. But I don't understand because it's pre-recorded, so they can go back and fix it from the get-go. I don't know. Yeah, let's not get this off no too idea. too negative of a start. But I, I just we'll we'll talk about that more throughout the show. Production issues, man. They've been on. They've having this show for well over a year now. Correct. Uh, I don't get it. I really don't. They uh, maybe they need to find some new production guys. I mean, you know, I hate to hate to be the bad guy, but maybe it's time. Uh. But let's talk about some good stuff, and that is opening up the show, Hangman Adam Page versus John Silver. And I was not expecting this match until, of course, they announced it. But, uh, man, this is kind of a dream match for uh, for BTE fans, really, if you're watching, because obviously John Silver is like the star of AEW social media right now. And Hangman Adam Page has always been hilarious and great on BTE, always had great segments. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of like a, uh, a match made in BTE heaven. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. These are two of my favorite talents in AEW. Hangman on Page is my favorite wrestler at the time, at, at this current moment. And uh, John Silver's just got so much charisma. It's, it's amazing how he's transformed in his little time from being the Beaver Boys when they debuted to now being kind of the de facto leader of the Dark Order. I mean, he comes in, he's got his Exalted One robe on. He's taking control of a lot of their segments. Uh, it's kind of crazy to see his turnaround. But yeah, this match was just chock full of personality and just little little shots uh, at, at some of their, their BTE moments. But yeah, I, I really right. enjoyed this match. What did you think about it? I thought it was really good. And John Silver's personality really comes through here when he's trying to do like, I yeah. don't want to say a flex off, but you know, it's just kind of messing with Hangman. 
he slapped him on the behind. He tried to give him a fist bump, and Hangman yeah. wouldn't do it. It's just little moments. Like, and the match was good, don't get me wrong, but these little character work moments is what really made it for me. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning, I believe Hangman had some makeup on as he did that one time uh, where his uh, he's trying to look like he hasn't slept in days. I don't know if you noticed it, kind of towards the beginning of the match. And the camera zooms in on him. His eyes are all purple, and uh, they, they mentioned on commentary he did not come in with a drink. He just kind of solemnly came in, did the job, and pretty much, you know, that was that was it. But yeah, uh, it was there were some great, great spots. I honestly thought at one point John Silver might come up with the upset here, and uh, maybe we'll see some Dark Order recruitment, maybe Birdie Lee coming back. Uh, Paige hit him with a buckshot lariat like a few times. Right. Uh, John Silver reversed at one point with a Hurricane Rana, which I thought was great, and then had like this almost like a hot tag without a tag kind of moment where he like hooks up and hits him with like a bunch of like yes kicks and a brain buster. And it was crazy and had a really close uh, two count, but uh hangman on a page was able to able to kick out of it. He, uh, he stands up, takes an elbow to the jaw, some more kicks, but uh, he hits him with a Liger bomb and then the buckshot lariat. And Hangman Adam Page was able to win this match for you. Now, interesting enough, after the match, the entirety yeah. of the Dark Order comes out. Minus uh, Brody Lee. Minus Brody Lee, of course. And uh, you, you'd think, oh, well, here it comes. They're going to jump Hangman Adam Page again. But no, Evil Uno takes the mic. He kind of calms him down. He says, you know, Page, uh, I understand that we've had some issues in the past. There's a lot of times that after these matches, we've laid you out. But that's not what we're here for tonight. And we also understand that you have been a part of a group that you've tried to leave. They wouldn't let you go. Time and time again, you've tried to voice your opinion, and they wouldn't hear you. He said, it sounds like to me, if that's not a cult, then what is? Exactly. Uh, Because many times before, Hangman has mentioned that he doesn't want to join a cult, so he's not going to join the Dark Order. Uh, But Evil Ona did say that if Paige ever wants to join them, he and his friends are here, and uh, they walk out. So I thought this was a great segment. I was kind of uh, vying for like a Brody Lee return to uh, maybe start a feud between Hangman and 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 Brody until uh, maybe they find something else for Hangman to do. But right, honestly, at this point, how interesting would it be if Hangman joined the Dark Order? It would I mean, be interesting. It would have a lot of really good segments out of it. Yeah. And it would be a, another really good shot of character work there for Hangman Adam Page. And let's be honest, with Brody Lee not there, they're kind of just a group of friends. Right. I mean, better friends than the elite a lot of times. So Yeah, agreed. I don't know. I, I, I'm i all for it. I'm all for it. I would love to see uh, I'd love to see Hangman Adam Page and Colt Cabana do some tag team. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm in, man. I'm there for that. Yeah, I really, really like this match. Really like this segment. Uh, after that, we go backstage with Alex Marvez interviewing full cleaner Kenny. He's got a suit on, he's got his aviators on, and he is just healing it up. Uh, he's talking about everything that happened to John Moxley last week, getting ambushed, yada yada. Uh, he says that, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. He said last year he lost to Moxley, and ever since then it's been Moxley on magazine covers, on the number one the PDFWI list. Uh, after the... Uh, title eliminators people were saying the cleaner has returned and if omega is the one destined to be at the top that's it and uh 
he tells Moxley that if they're going to face each other, he needs to leave the garbage wrestling at home for one night, leave the tables, the chairs, all that, and beat him in a straight-up wrestling match. Uh, Omega brings up Moxley's childhood story from last week, where he talked about his dad and how he's going to be a father and all that. And uh, Omega just deadpan looks at the camera. He says, you know what, Moxley? I'm not sure your dad was all that tough. And I'll be honest, I think my dad could beat the crap out of your dad. I which was like so hard. the greatest like schoolyard childish right. like oh my dad's bigger than your dad but it was great it's so good for Kenny's character I loved it I love this little segment that was really good and I think we're kind of seeing who the new Kenny Omega is uh, throughout this promo this is probably I think the maybe the second glimpse last week he got a, we got a pretty good idea but yeah really uh really stoked for this promo really stoked for the match next week. Uh, they did a really good job throughout the show, I think, hyping up the uh, the match for next week. Uh, and they also announced that next week we're having the the second ever Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. Uh, and also Darby Allen and Cody versus Ricky Starks, and who is now known as Powerhouse Hobbs. Now let's talk for a minute. How do we feel about the name Powerhouse Hobbs? Uh, I, I really like it, and I feel like you're not going to. So, I don't love it. I don't love Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm okay with... It rolls off with... the tongue so well, though. It does, I guess. But, I don't know, like, Will Hobbs was such a good name. He had the whole willpower thing. I still don't like him as a heel. That's just my thing, man. I just don't feel like it's the right direction for him, but... I mean, he's getting to work with Taz, which is great, as we'll talk about a little bit later, but... It gives him a spot, too. It does give him a spot, but... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the name change thing. Powerhouse. I, oh, I guess I, I see the play on words now because willpower was this whole thing. Yes. Powerhouse. Okay, I get it a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe maybe give me a week or two to get ready for it. I just okay. I'm not sold on it yet. But yeah, yeah, I'm super stoked about the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale for next week. Yeah, uh, I want to know what that means. So if MGF yeah. does not win, does he not? Does he no longer have the ring? If he does win, does he have two rings? Like, I don't know if it's a single ring that he holds for a year and then the next person gets it, or if it's like a prize, like a trophy that changes every year. MJF's I not giving up that know. ring. Oh, yeah, of course not. So the way it worked last year was they got to the final two, and then those two wrestled for the Dynamite ring, remember? Okay. It got yeah. down mm-hmm. to MJF and Jungle Boy, I believe. No, MJF and Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah, and th- those were the final two. And uh, it appears as if the way they're describing it is the winner of the Battle Royale gets the ring. They even mentioned that MJF has to defend the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Did they? I didn't hear that part. They, 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 they did say that. So it almost seems like, I mean, they're not taking that ring off MJF. They're not doing it. I mean, they, know, they can pry it from his cold, dead fingers. I mean, what he's going to have to get... wins it? That's, yeah, they didn't mention, they actually specifically mentioned that Sammy and MJF will be in that match. Yeah. So I could see him doing that. I mean, they're gonna have to pry it from his cold dead hands, though. Yeah. He's gonna—he's not gonna give that ring up. Uh, we even saw it come into play a little bit later in the show. But yeah, I, I'm super stoked for that. I liked last last year's Dynamite Diamond uh, Battle Royale, and they're really stacking this show. They also—they have the uh, Cody and Darby versus Ricky Starks and Hobbs. I, I, it seems like it's gonna be a really, really big show, like they've been saying. Yeah. But uh, up next, we have Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lee Johnson. And uh, as soon as my wife saw this, she was like, oh, poor Lee Johnson. Uh, because, man, you know he's just going to get killed here. And uh, he did. 
Uh, it's worth mentioning that as Will Hobbs comes out, uh, he comes out with Taz, and he's got on full Taz regalia. He's got the Tasmanian devil, like, black fur vest, I guess it would be. He's got on the orange, uh, not, a, not a singlet, but like the wrestling gear that Taz wore. Yeah. Uh, just full homage to Taz. I think it looks really good in this look, if I'm being honest. A lot of times when you change up people's looks, I can kind of be iffy for a week or two, but I thought he looks really good. Yeah, agreed. In this new character. Um, it doesn't mean I'm sold on the character, but I think the look is very good. Uh, he just squashed Lee Johnson. So, yeah, just a few minutes. Yeah, it was like a few minute match. There's not really anything to say about this. What's really the kind of the talk of this segment is what happened afterwards. Yeah. Because post match, Taz comes out of the ring with the FTW championship. And uh, he says that, you know, Starks and Cage, they're out celebrating. And you know what, Hobbs, you should do the same. So you go to the back. Taz has got some business to handle. So uh, he comes out and he says he's got a problem with AEW management not acknowledging the FTW championship. He says he's not going to leave the ring until someone from management comes out here and acknowledges this FTW championship. And he goes on and on. And this is like, we've seen this in wrestling before. And, and the mic gets cut off. Right. It's what happens. And then he starts yelling at Justin Roberts, who stands there like a deer in headlights. Like, uh, because I mean, it, first of all, it's Taz. Right. But second of all, it's like, oh, do, do I upset? Oh, yep, it's Taz. I'm going to give him my microphone. Uh-huh. So he gives him his microphone. And uh, Taz says it for management not to cut his mic off again. He calls out who the production guy is. Uh, it's their Kevin Dunn. Uh, honestly, he's probably about as bad as Kevin Dunn if he handles the production po- uh, for this show. <laughs> and uh, he says that if they cut his mic off again, he's going over to commentary. He knows how things works here. He's putting the headset on. He knows he won't cut that up mic off. Oh, it's not true because they cut Jericho's mic off before. Yeah. And uh, says that he's not leaving the ring until someone from management comes out. And we all know Tony Khan's not coming out. He said before he's not going to be an on-screen character. And I think he's really going to stick to that because, honestly, he doesn't have an on-screen quality to him. So, of course, it's going to be Cody. And Cody comes out to the quickest entrance of his lifetime. Yes. I mean, I would have actually marked out if the lights would have cut off. And he did the the thing where, like, the, the choir goes... And he did the wrestling has one row and he did the whole entrance. I would, I would have marked out if I'm being honest, but Cody just comes out in his full manager attire. And, uh, he says, all right, Taz, you, you made your point. You need, you need to leave. Uh, and Cody basically just wants to move on and says, Taz, tells Taz he's wasting time. Uh, he says next week, you know, he and Darby are facing Starks and Hobbs. That should be good enough for him. Taz tells Cody that, you know, he and Darby are going to get beaten again, but that's not why he's out here. He wants management to put respect on the FTW championship. Cody says, oh yeah, of course, I'll run it up the flagpole, which is straight BS, right? Right. And then Taz looks at him and says, what are you going to tell me next, Cody? Are you going to tell me that creative has nothing for me? Are you going to tell me to have good luck on my future endeavors? Are you going to tell me, I mean, he just, just threw all the WWE lines out there. Right. And honestly, it's a, it's a, this is a great way to do it because Taz is taking the reins here and saying, basically without saying it, 
you know what, Cody? You're no better than the Triple H. Yeah. The way that I'm being treated here is no better than I'd get treated in WWE, which kind of turns the tables a little bit to get some sympathy on Taz because yeah. everybody who's watching is an AEW fan and they hate WWE most of the time. Right. And I just love the way they handled this. I thought it was so, so good. It was. Taz is terrific, though. He is. He's fantastic. He dropped the S-bomb twice in this segment, which is the third yeah. S-bomb of the show. They didn't even believe it for me. I don't know if they did on TNT. Uh, no, they did not. Which was kind of surprising. But hey, you know, I guess they're giving them a little bit more leeway since they realize that they can't bleep out swear words now. I mean, they just bleep out the word after the swear, apparently, right. as, as of last week. But yeah, so Cody gets a little bit heated with that. And he says, you know what, Taz? If you're so great, I heard your, you, you know, your, your son's starting to wrestle. If you're so great, why isn't he training with you? Why is it he's training with me at the Rhodes Academy? Taz drops the mic. You can hear him telling Cody that that was dumb. You shouldn't have said that. Uh, he says, uh, he says, you went too far. You're going to regret this. And Cody tells the cameraman to cut it. We go to commercial or we, we, we think we're going to commercial, I should say. Yeah. And Taz kind of walks off and he puts Cody in the Taz mission. It was so good. It was I, like, so I literally good. literally freaked out. Like he, I was swinging my arms in the air. I was so happy. The only thing that would have made it better is if he would have suplexed him. But I, I, I'll take what I can get. I'll take yeah. what I can get. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, and it's not even something I thought would happen because AEW does a good job of kind of keeping the managers out of it. Like the, the legends. Like, right. yeah, you have Tully involved sometimes doing the spike pile driver or Jake the Snake coming out with a snake that one time. But, like, most of these legends, they don't really have perform in the ring. But to see this was was so good. Cody sold it fantastically. Billy Gunn came to the rescue, and Dustin Rhodes ran Taz away. And uh, he's heading out, and you see Hook, who is Taz's son, following behind him with the FTW Championship. So, right. I don't know if we're going to see uh, a little bit more of Taz's son. Maybe at ringside and maybe doing some other little skits on AEW. But yeah, I thought this was a fantastic segment. Really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% agree. It was so good. It was probably, I don't want to say it's my favorite segment of the night. I think the next one is, but it was so, so good. I absolutely loved it. It was, it was fantastic. And I don't know, like when Taz first started managing Brian Cage, I wasn't totally sold on it. But now I'm all for it, man. He's, he's great. Yeah. I wish they'd give Brian Cage a little bit more mic time. Yeah, because, because he's good. He's actually pretty witty. I don't know if you've watched BTE this week. He has some great clips on there. He's he's a pretty witty guy. I mean, and what they give him is kind of catchphrase gimmicky stuff. I don't know. I feel like they need to give him a little bit of what they give Ricky Starks, you know? And I'm not saying they give Ricky Starks his lines, because obviously he's just naturally charismatic, but... Maybe give him a little bit of a chance to shine every once in a while on the mic instead of just giving the, the catchphrase or whatever. But anyways, this was a great segment. Really enjoyed it. Agreed. Let's go backstage with Alex Marvez interviewing Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I, I really think this is my favorite segment of the night. It was such a little throwaway segment, but gosh, the the electricity... At the, at the end of this segment was just so good. The whole not thing only, was good. Not only that, the world building of this. I mean, we don't talk about like, you know, the Avengers and how everything's connected. In wrestling, 
we have a big problem of when things happen, we forget about it. It doesn't exist anymore. But this did such a good job of throwing that out of the wayside because Eddie Kingston's being interviewed about Death Triangle reforming with Penta and Phoenix leaving uh, his family and all that. And he says, you know what? I'm not angry. I'm not going to put that energy out there. I'm just disappointed that Penta left us. Uh, but, you know, Phoenix's action didn't surprise him. Uh, he tells Pack that things have changed since he was around here last time, eight months ago. And things aren't over until he says so. Uh, Alex Marvez is kind of pushed out of the way as John Moxley enters the frame. Yes. And he goes face-to-face with Eddie Kingston. And Kingston stops talking. Moxley doesn't say anything. And Kingston says, you know it wasn't me. I didn't ambush you. He said, I got my own stuff going on right now. You know who took you out. You know who it was. And then Moxley just walks away. How great is it that this babyface, the top babyface of your company, first of all, remembers his last feud. Exactly. But second of all, smartly goes to, hey, I just made this guy quit after he said I was going to have to kill him. There's a good chance that he's the one that attacked me. Mm-hmm. So he goes to him. That was It was just so good. Such smart booking. Just yeah. And Eddie, Eddie Kingston's delivery, like just the, how he reacted when Mox was walking in and he squared up to him. He's like, bro, look, you know that it wasn't me. Like you can get in my face all you want. I got my own stuff to attend to. You have your own. You know who it was. You go take care of business. Yep. And it's just so great because they have a history and, and they live that history in their in their feud. And yep. so Mox and Kingston, who don't like each other at this point, probably still have some sort of trust in each other, right? Because yep. they're brothers. They grew up together. So when Kingston's like, dude, you know it's not me, Mox could tell in his voice, yeah, you're right. Definitely not. Yep. And he just walked away. Didn't say a word and commanded the whole scene. Fantastic. So good. And as he's walking out, Eddie Kingston just kind of like nonchalantly like pops his jacket and is like, man, he's messing up my whole feng shui here. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, man. Just a little, just little tiny details that they're so, so good at. Uh, but let's talk about another fantastic match of the night, which uh, we led up to last week, which is Top Flight versus the Hybrid 2. Yeah. And I know that you were super into Top Flight from uh, from last week. You want to tell us a little bit about this match? Yeah. So I'm also real, a really big fan of the Hybrid 2. And I was talking to Carol during this. And I, I love Flippy Dippy Wrestling now, right? Like, I didn't really until AEW really took off. I love old school wrestling. But I love chain wrestling. I love submission wrestling. You know, that's why I love Dan O'Brien so much. That's why I loved Eddie Guerrero so much and Dean Malenko. And this was so refreshing because you have guys like Angelico, who could bounce around the ring with the best of them, keeping these guys grounded, and Top Flight doing these amazing counters that just look so friggin' cool. At and 19 I- and 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but I read this earlier today. These guys... When they got the AEW contracts, the Bucks said, hey guys, go quit your J jobs. You're now all elite. And one of them was working as a physical trainer, and the other one was working in a grocery store. Yeah. It's just, that is insane to me. Yeah. But this whole match was awesome, and Top Flight is so good. The And I'm sorry, I don't know their names. This is literally the second match that I've seen of these guys. Darius and Dante. The, huh? Darius and Dante are their names. I don't know which is which, though. So Darius, I believe it's Darius, did a 
suicide dive as Dante flips over him and then, like, flies over the ropes onto Angelico and Jack Evans. It was just so good. Angelico won this match by making Dante tap out to this ridiculous deathlock thing. It was thing. crazy, man. That it match was so cool. That, that's, that move is one of the craziest moves I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Me and Riley both pop for that move, and I don't like the hybrid two as a tag yeah. team. I really don't. I like An- Angel Angelico. I don't yeah. like Jack Evans um, personally. Jack Evans as a character could use some work. Yeah, but Jack just, Evans as a wrestler is very good. He's a very good wrestler, but I mean, it ends there for me with him. I don't yeah. like anything else he does. I don't like any of his BTE stuff. I don't like his promo work he did on Dark last week. Even yeah, I don't like it. I don't like him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, N- Angelico, okay. and I don't like Angelico as a character either. I mean, he does a good job of being a heel because he makes me dislike him. Yeah. But his, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, a lot of people can do flippy-diffy stuff, right? Yeah. But Angelico is so unique in the way that you said because he's such a submission-based guy that right. can also do flips. It's kind of crazy. That that move just blew my mind. It was like a crocodile grabbing a, a gazelle. Like it was like a what is it like a death roll, right? It was crazy. Yeah, it was so cool. The, the, but this whole match was great, and I loved yeah. it. They they beat down Top Flight after the match, and the Young Bucks came out to make the save. Um, I think the Hybrid Two are finally going to get a tag title match, and there's, there's no way they're winning. Yeah, but uh, it'll probably be on the next big whatever that is, the next big Dynamite, whether it's the one at the end of December or whatever. Yeah, I can. Uh, like when Top Flight came out. Riley was kind of thinking that maybe, uh, maybe the Hyper Two were going to job to Top Flight. Yeah. But and as great as Top Flight are, and as as much as they're trying to build them up as a new up and coming talent, they definitely needed to give this win to the Hyper Two. They've had Agreed. some wins on Dark. I think they're like five and five or six and five now at this point. Yeah. But they haven't beaten anybody in the tag team division. Like they right. they haven't they haven't beaten hardly anyone. So. I think they really needed this win. And not only that, I mean, you had Kenny and Hangman's reign. You had FTR's reign. Well, now you don't want the Bucks facing the same people that Hangman and Kenny faced. You don't want them facing the same people that FTR faced. You want some new, fresh faces. That's why they had Top Flight come in. And I think that's why right. they're building up uh, the Hybrid 2 now. Because yeah, And the Acclaimed, I think, are undefeated, even though they're beating Jobbers. Yeah, I think they're like 6-0 and or something like that on Dark right now. Uh, so I think it's really smart to build up the hybrid two here, and I think they will have a fantastic match. Uh, of course, you know the Bucks came out for the save after the match. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, Matt Jackson threw his jacket at Angelico, and he like picked up Peter Avalon's pillow. Do you see that? Like to throw it back at him. <laughs> yes, uh, I love that. It was great. But yeah, I, I thought this was a very very good match, and this is like top tier flippy dippy wrestling. So yeah. that's what you're into. Love it. Yeah, but uh, after that, we had a little backstage promo with Vicky and Nyla Rose. You can see that I guess they're now getting along again. Yeah, they didn't explain it at all. Yeah, I, they didn't I really. Uh, didn't really. It's just like, well, that happened. Let's move on, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they'll address it. But here's the thing. It did expand onto the lore of the women's division. So it it it's it's better than what we've been getting. So I'm not going to crap on it too hard. Uh, they're back there, and, and Vicky Guerrero is talking about nepotism. She says, she describes what nepotism is, and says, wow, that sounds a lot like Brandy Rhodes. Um, 
okay, I guess. I don't know. I feel like the whole nepotism thing's been really kind of done to death in AEW. Yeah. Um, but it did add to the lore because, you know, Vicky says that her and Nyla have been working with Jade Cargill to do what they want, basically, uh, backstage in the women's division. And so now you've got Nyla, Vicky, and Jade on one side, and you've got Brandy and, and uh, Big Swole and Red Velvet on the other side. And they, they cut back to the attack last week when apparently Vicky and Nyla were holding back the refs so that Jade could uh, break Brandy's arms, in air quote. So it was an okay little segment. It, it, it definitely wasn't bad, and it added a little bit of depth to the women's division. And they've, they've been, they did good last week. They did pretty good this week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a an A for effort. Yes. So uh, we then go back. It's actually funny. Earlier in the night, Riley asked me, "I was like, where's FTR been?" I was like, "Oh, we get an FTR segment. Here they are. Uh, <laughs> you're the FTR fan, and uh, I kind of kind of tuned out. If I'm being completely honest, so what 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 do you think about this segment? <laughs> um. So this just really shows. And first of all, no disrespect to Cash Wheeler. But every time these guys talk, Dax is the one that takes the lead, as he should. And that's fine. Inside the ring, Cash is the one that can do more. Um, and and you, you saw that in the Young Bucks match. Like, they both yeah. are terrific at their ground-and-pound style. But Cash has more to offer. He did a 450 off the ropes. Yeah. So, But when you're behind a microphone or cutting a promo, it's Dax Harwood's show. And... It was really, really great. They talked about... It was a very old-school promo. It was. They, they talked about basically they're the chosen ones. Cash said that even though some people have been saying that it was one of the greatest tag team matches of all time, that it was literally one of the worst nights of his entire life, uh, which shows that they love those titles, and it shows that the titles mean something to them. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, they talk about how it's destiny, that they're going to win it back. Um, and he said that the Bucks were better than FTR for three seconds. But the reality is that's all that it takes. Yeah. So I'm really, really looking forward to the rematch. Um, I very much hope that it's at the February pay-per-view and yeah. that uh, we'll get to go. definitely hold it out for Revolution. Yeah. And I'm like, I, AEW does not do a lot of big rematches, right? But this is something like, they need to have a series. This is a... A rivalry that is years in the making. And the match was so exceptional. You got to have two more. You got to have two yeah. more. I agree. I, uh, as much as I don't love FTR, I would I would love to see another match with them in the Bucks. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking during this segment, because uh, Tully, at the end of it, says Fear the Revelation. Yes. Which, of course, is a nod at the Four Horsemen mm-hmm. of the Apocalypse in the Book of Revelation. And you look at the match graphic for the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. Who's right in the middle? Who's right in the middle, front and center? Sean Spears. He sure is. I would love for Sean Spears to win that diamond ring. Yeah, same. And it's got to be a heel. It's got to be a heel. For the revelation to form. If they call him the revelation, if they call him fear the revelation, if they call him Tully Blanchard's Beach Boys, don't care. <laughs> I want to see them as a group. I want to see Sean Spears in the limelight. I It needs to happen. It definitely needs to happen. And I think with FTR not having the titles, 
it definitely should happen. And not only that, I mean, the Bucks have got backup, right? I mean, they've got right. Kenny Omega. I know he's got his own stuff going on. They've got Kenny Omega, and they've even proved when things happen, they've got Hangman. I mean, he came out to save them. Who's I FTR agree. got? They got Tully Blanchard. They're going to yep. need a little bit more firepower, I think, if they're going to yep. continue on this feud. I'm down uh, with it, man. I wouldn't mind seeing FTR, Sean Spears, and whoever the heck their fourth guy is going to be versus Hangman, Kenny, and the Young Bucks in uh, the match beyond. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm down. That would be we'll see that. great. Don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Hangman and Kenny are getting back together anytime yeah. soon. I don't but, think so either. You could do you could do uh, the Bucks, Kenny, and Cody. Throw Cody yeah. in there. It's true. I mean, actually, I, Cody's entourage couldn't fit ringside. And uh, <laughs> the match beyond, there's the, the 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 cage takes up too much, so right, it wouldn't fit. So that 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 plan's thrown out. Uh, after this match, or after that segment, I should say, we have the inner circle: Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. SCU. Does it bother you that when two people of a faction are in a tag team, they don't call them by the faction name? It bothers me. It bothers me a little bit too, but AEW has multiple tag teams in the same faction, and WWE never really did. So, so they've stopped calling like the Dark Order the Dark Order, if you notice. They call them Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Right. They didn't say the Inner Circle during the match. They say Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. It bothers me a little bit. It's Chris Jericho and Jake Hager of the Inner Circle, or with the Inner Circle, I think is how they announced yeah. it. It's nitpicky, but it kind of bothers me. Because the New Day is three people. SCU is three people. It, but it's still a tag team. They come out, they're yeah. the New Day. They come out, they're SCU. But so, they don't have multiple teams in the same faction. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's perhaps nitpicky, but it just bothers me. It's like, you have yeah. a team name. Go by the team name. Well, think about this. So when you had Generation X, you had Shawn Michaels and Triple H as a tag team. But you also had Billy Gunn and Road Dogg. Yeah. And Billigan and Rogue Dog, even though they were in Generation X, were the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's different. It, so I I'm okay with it, but I understand why it bothers you. Yeah, it's just a little nitpicky thing. Also, yeah. something they started doing this week, I noticed. Uh, maybe they did it last week, and I didn't notice. On the bottom left of the corner, they have Chris Jericho and Jake Hager in black. Yes, and then SCU in red. Yeah, and that's I like a I've never that's seen like it before. MMA thing. Yeah. But that's such a good idea. Boxing does it, it too, and it's super cool. If you are flipping through the channels and you hear the announcers talking about Chris Jericho, I mean, not everybody knows who Chris Jericho is. He's a big name in wrestling, but if you're just Joe Schmo on the street, you might say, hey, that's the guy from Fozzie. Who knows? Uh, but you're flipping the channels and you're like, oh, which one's which? Or even if you're a casual fan, you can't keep up with the entire roster. Which one's which? Oh, he's the one in the red. Fantastic. Great idea. I hope they keep running with it. I also saw it in the Hikaru Shida and a J match. I don't know if they did it for the rest of the matches. I just started noticing it. This match. Yeah. Great I didn't idea. See it in any of the other matches. Love it. Love that idea. Uh, they should definitely roll with that. They're, they talk about AEW having a real sports feel. Uh, it's a good way to do it. Agreed. Um, commentary does mention this is the first time that Chris Jericho and Christopher Daniels have ever met in the ring, and they have a combined. Tenure of like 55 years. 57. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's a long crazy time. to think about. They've been wrestling for that long and never faced each other. Yeah. Well, Chris Jericho was in 
WWE for most of his career in WCW, ECW, Christopher Daniels was never really in those companies. Yeah, he did like some one-off appearances, I think, but he never really yeah. did. Did he was always TNA in the Indies? So yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy to think about though. And this was a very good match. Really enjoyed this match. And you might be thinking, well, Jake Hager was in this match. And I'll be honest with you, me and Matthew were talking about this after the match. This is the best Jake Hager has ever looked. Yes. And I don't know if it's SCU making him look great. I'm sure that's a little bit of it. But he just looked really good. Yeah, he did. I mean, it, you had the match opening up with Chris Jericho and... Uh, Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels, sorry. Yes. Mine, mine <laughs> fart there. And uh, they're, they're doing some standard wrestling, the side headlocks and all that. Uh, Kazarian gets a few shots in from the corner, then tags in. They double, double team with SCU. Cover, just get a one count. But Hager comes in, and he just starts destroying Kazarian, getting the knees, referee's distracted. Chris Jericho does what Chris Jericho does. But, I mean, just Hager through the entire match, he didn't look winded, which a lot of times he does. Yeah. Um, he looked, he's been I mean, training for that fight. Yeah, it might be because he's coming off that fight. Yeah. But, man, maybe he needs to keep the, the training regimen up because, I don't know, he looked really strong. He really did. Um, we can skip through a lot of stuff that happened in this match. What what it boils down to is uh, Christopher Daniels hits the best moonsault, the best moonsault ever. Covers Jericho stops the count. Frankie Kazarian throws a shot to Jericho. The referee shoves Frankie to his corner, and MJF punches Christopher Daniels in the face with his diamond uh, dynamite diamond ring. And it was crazy to see the inner circle like kind of embracing. MJF in this moment that that moment also allowed for Jericho to hit a Judas effect on Christopher Daniels and Chris uh Chris Hager Jake Hager came up with a cover one two three and Hager got the pinfall on Christopher Daniels and this is a great way to protect SCU and just a a great way to have a heel overcome babyface absolutely really really liked it and the aftermatch stuff was good too setting up uh yeah really uh, good next week's match yeah, the inner circle comes in and attacks SCU. Uh, MJF looks at his ring again. Scorpio Sky runs out with the chair. And it was so funny because, like, one guy comes in versus, what, seven guys with a chair? And they just just, just haul butt. They're done. They are done. Uh, and I was kind of hoping this was set up for Kazarian versus MJF next week. But I think we get something just as good, which is Chris Jericho versus Kazarian for next week. That will be a great match. Honestly, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Kazarian in a bad match. I think he's I, like the underappreciated worker of AEW. Yeah, he is the Cesaro of AEW, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great a great uh, comparison there. Yeah, uh, and I was literally thinking as he was coming out, I'm like, you know what? I could see Kazarian in a singles match against everyone in the world, like mm-hmm. every single week on Dynamite. When are we going to have another one? Well, next week, and I'm going to be there live. So great. I'm happy. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh after that, we had what I would consider by far the worst segment of the show. Really? Do you like this? Wait a minute. Was... Are you talking about the inner circle like no. interview? No, we had the interview and they announced all the thing, everything we just talked about. Okay, 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 okay. You don't the Sabian Miro. Talking thing. about Kip Sabian and Miro's. Well, it's, yeah, it was but bad. like it, no. It was bad. No, come it was on. Cringy. It was a spot I cringe. Where Miro grabbed the camera and screamed for no reason. And I cringed. It was dumb. I didn't like the segment. I thought the segment okay. was bad. It had a terrible feel. I don't know if it's because it was silent, 
or what. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they come back and they're like talking about they're going to debut the Miro and Kip video game extravaganza segment. Orange Cassidy comes in, turns off their uh, Xbox refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> he walks out of the bus or whatever they're in. Uh, the best friends come and attack Mira and Sabian, yada, yada. We've seen this before. I don't know. I just, I didn't care for it at all. I thought when Miro grabbed the camera, it was really cringy. I just, I don't know, man. Like, are they going to have best friends versus Miro and Kip next week? Because, no. good Lord, they have to do it eventually. Right. I don't know. I've seen this for too long. Honestly, not super impressed by Kip and Miro so far. I thought their vignettes they did were really good. But this stuff like this, I'm not loving. I'm really not. I don't know. I, I just, the, the, this whole segment felt off to me. Okay. I'm okay with it because it was by far the worst segment of the show. Again, I'm a super big fanboy because I, I just am having so much fun with AEW. But I do get it. Like, honestly, if this was in WWE, I don't think I'd be very impressed. So yeah. I, I understand. On one hand, though, I will mention... It is cool that Miro addressed the cameraman who's there. Yeah. Because in WWE, they would have just not said anything. But I feel like the way he did it was kind of bad. If he would have just been like Eddie Kingston does a lot of time, like shove him out of the way or whatever. Yeah. But he like grabbed him and like shook him and like the cartoon, like he's freaking uh, King Kong climbing up the the Empire State Building. I don't know. It was just, it was over the top. I say as as a fan of Kenny Omega... That he was over the top. <laughs> uh, we come back to the contract signing with Kenny Omega and John Moxley, which I thought was kind of crazy. I thought John Moxley was just coming out. I didn't even know Kenny would be there because he's already signed it. Why does he have to be there? Right. right. But it comes out and Kenny does his full on extra uh, aerobics girls with brooms entrance. Announces yes. that he's from North Carolina or whatever. No, every week they do something different. Yeah, so this I, week it was the wrestling. He's you know something in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, unlike the NASCAR Hall of Fame, which is based in North yeah. Carolina. It's great. Yeah, I still like it. A lot of people complain about it, saying the joke's been overdone. But I mean, no man, I like week, it. I think it's pretty. I funny. want a different fact about North Carolina. Every <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. And the fact is, like, so many people are like, "WTF does this even mean?" And I guess it's a Michael Jordan it's thing. A Michael Jordan reference. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's a Michael Jordan thing, but. It's a it's a Kenny Omega thing to me now. That's 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 just what it is. And honestly, like the fact that people dislike it is great because he's turning heel. Right. So if it gets on your nerves, good, get over it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you see Omega in his tunnel with the light on him. The the broom girls are doing their uh, like boss intro music. This and, shot was so amazing. And from behind. You see a shadow appear behind Kenny Omega, and he is none the wiser. And you see that chokehold get applied right behind him. John Moxley is there. He's got Kenny Omega in a chokehold. He throws him through the tunnel. He just destroys him. He beats him all the way up to the ring like a government mule, as JR would say. Yep. He lays his title on the mat. Omega reaches out for it, stomps on his hand. And then I was like, oh, God, he's about to do this, isn't he? He picks Kenny Omega up and paradigm, like super paradigm shifts him into the into the title. So good. So, so good. This was, like, great to see Kenny Omega be the sniveling heel. And John Moxley, 
just the little things in this, like I've said, he's just so good at the details. He really is. Yeah. And Kenny reaching out for it and him stomping on his hand. Uh, it was like something out of a movie. I loved it. Yeah, uh, John Moxley so then gets the mic and it gets better from there. I mean, yeah. he says he doesn't know who Omega hired last week, but he did a terrible job. And the next time Omega wants to take someone out, just ask Moxley. He knows some guys. I yeah. thought was a great little world. Yeah, I know some thing guys there. in Philly that, you know, really get, <laughs> yeah. get the job done for you. Now, I thought it would have been funny if he was like, you could have just hired the Butcher and the Blade, man. They did it for MJF. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, he, uh, he said he thought that their beef was squashed at uh, Revolution. Or not Revolution. Yeah, it was Revolution. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. What pay-per-view was that? I don't know. It was a year ago. That's going to bug me until I figured it out. Oh, well. Anyways, the one where they had the Lights Out match. Um, yeah, because Revolution had the tag match. So it would have been double or nothing. Full gear. Okay, let's all move out. forward. I'll, I'll look all it out. It was all out. Yes, there you go. Congratulations. Okay, anyways. <laughs> I'm not editing this. It's going to bug me until I figure it out. <laughs> uh, it's fine. We've got we've got as long as we want. We have no time limit. Ah, and we have yeah. no WWE to talk about. That's true. Uh, he says that the only way for Omega to win the title is to reach deep down and be the guy that everybody thinks that he is. Win, win, lose, or draw, winter's coming for you, Kenny. And I kind of was like, okay, well, you didn't have to interject the name of the show, but okay, I get it. And let's talk about the winter is coming name. It's terrible. It's awful, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's like it's like an Internet Explorer meme where it's like, hey, guys, Game of Thrones is really popular, isn't it? Right. It's like, no, Game of Thrones had the biggest backlash of any series finishing of all time. Yeah. Nobody talks about that show anymore because the ending sucked so bad. It's lost yeah. all of its street cred. Yeah, I get Tony Khan. Maybe you liked Game of Thrones or something. But come on, man. It's such a bad paper. Like, it's not a pay-per-view, but it's such a bad title yeah, card. Yeah, when I first heard it, I'm like, okay. Like, it's it's fine. I, but I, I would have never have chosen that or greenlit it i mean what's i'm trying to think of something better and like literally anything the winter bash would be better (laughs) or how about just aew dynamite this one's the best ever i don't know the best (laughs) dynamite ever the greatest show wait somebody's already done that never mind yeah I don't know. I, I Winter's Coming is really bad. I didn't really like him. I don't like it when they like say the thing, you know. Like I'm okay if they have like a catchphrase or whatever. Yeah. But like I don't know, a little cringy. Whatever. Uh, he tells Omega that if he comes to the king, he better not miss. And he says that he's gonna have to do something that nobody's done for I think 18 months. Yep. Which is crazy to think he hasn't lost a singles match in 18 months. Yeah. In any uh, company. Yeah, that's that's insane. He stops, he thanks Tony Schiavone, signs the contract, and walks out like a boss. And uh, as after that, we had a little inner circle, inner, inner circle segment we mentioned earlier. Uh, MJF is, like, super mad. He, he calls out Frank Kazarian for punch, uh, sucker punching him and says, What kind of man sucker punches another man? It's like, I don't know, MJF, you? Like, ten minutes ago? Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Jericho talks about how they beat them fair and square. Blah, blah, blah. I love stuff like that. I do too. Yeah. So they're going to get uh, Jericho versus Kazarian. Super hyped for that. Yes, very excited. And after that, we have a video package for Anna Jay versus Akari Shida. And it was great. It was so good. 
Yep. Like, Hikaru Shida actually talked. First of all, Hikaru Shida was there, yeah, which is astonishing. Yeah, very good, too. She did a great job with her English. Uh, Anna Jay was great for someone who's been wrestling for, I don't know, like two years. A year, yeah. <laughs> like, a, maybe a year. It might be a yeah. year. I think she's wrestled like nine matches now. Uh, it was great. Uh, Shida says that if she wants to beat her, if Anna Jay wants to beat her, she's going to have to deep de- dig deep down and use more than just her friend. She's going to have to have more heart, which is great. I love the character they're building of Shida, which is just, I'm here to wrestle, and I'm the best. That's kind of her whole thing. It's like, I'm the best because I have the heart to do it, and I love wrestling, which is great. I mean, they don't right. have to build this whole gimmick around Hikaru Shida. She's just the best, and she loves wrestling. That's fine. And when they give her little segments like this, I love it. You have T- uh, Ty Conti there with Anna Jay talking about their friendship and all that and saying that Anna Jay is going to be the next champion. It ends with Sheeta saying, bring it, which I thought was great. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have Anna Jay's entrance. She's got new ring gear, looking great. She's got Ta- uh, Ty Conti there with her. And it is, she has confirmed it is Ty Conti, not Tay Conti. I know we've had this discussion before. It is Ty yes. Conti. Uh, you have John Silver, 5 and 10, all there standing on the stage. Uh, Hikaru Shida comes out, or should I say Haraku Shida? <laughs> because they misspelled her name on the title card. Yes, that's what I was inferring to in the beginning of the show. They misspelled the woman's champion of the world. On a pre-taped show. On a pre-taped show that people had to review. They misspelled her name. Just... Well, <laughs> uh, I didn't even catch it. My wife is like, Haraku. And I'm like, what? I thought she was referencing some Naruto character or something. Yeah. Because I'm like, she's super into that. And I'm like, what is that? Is she wearing like some cosplay or something? She does that. And like, what? She's like, no, her name. And I was like, oh my God. They misspelled her name. The champion. I mean, just think for a minute. If... What would we be saying if they misspelled John Moxley's name? Yes. Come on, guys. First of all, the fact that they had a women's championship match on a show with no other championship matches and it did not main event, in my opinion, is sucky. I understand they're going for ratings and they know that the women's division does not get the best ratings, but maybe that's because they don't treat it like a real division. Maybe right. it's because they don't put in the effort to spell their champion's name right. Maybe it's because they only give her like seven minutes of time and half the match is taken up by a commercial break, which abruptly goes from picture in picture to a straight commercial break when you can't even see what's going on. Just, they've been trying, they've been doing better, but Hikaru Shida deserves better, the women's division deserves better, the show deserves better, and the production quality, man. Like, I can't get over it. I would be okay with him hiring freaking Kevin Dunn at this point. No. I mean, good lord. Yeah, you're right. It'd be too many camera cuts. Yes. Can't, my, my eyes can't take all the camera cuts. No. I don't know. I, I said we'd have nothing to rant about this week, but I found something to rant about. Um, <laughs> This was a good match. Okay? I really enjoyed it. Actually. It was a really good match. However, you know when a woman's match happens, it's going to be like seven to ten minutes. It's going to have a commercial break and like when i'm watching on fight tv the picture in picture happens like it's, it's not even there right well like i'm watching the match and then i'm watching the match it goes boom let's go ignite and it goes to commercial and i was like what 
Like they didn't even toss it to commercial. They didn't say we'll be right back. It's just the the match is gone. <laughs> the match is gone. And I don't know how it was on TNT. I assume it went from picture in picture to a full screen commercial, which they do sometimes. That is correct. But in the middle of a match, it was just, I don't know. I've, they they could have taken something from somewhere. They had some fat on the show. They could have taken the Miro Kip Sapien segment and just thrown it away. They had the time. But they didn't give it to him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of that. But they're trying. And... Anna Jay has only been wrestling for one year. Maybe they she couldn't put on a 15-minute match. But I'll tell you what she did. She put on a really good seven-minute match, or eight-minute match, sure whatever did. it was. Uh, really, really stoked for her. Uh, you had her uh, basically yelling at Ty Conti to give her a chair from under the ring at one point. Uh, Ty Conti doesn't want to, but she reluctantly does so. Uh, Anna Jay thinks about it, but the referee takes the chair from her. And this allows her to take a kendo stick from a Dark Order member, and she cracks Sheeta over in the knee with it, which she previously mentioned being uh, injured. And maybe this is some of her inexperience, as JR would say, but she went for a cover. Now, I'm no tactician, but hitting someone in the knee doesn't put them down for a three count. A submission, maybe, but not a three count. So so watch out there, uh, Anna Jay. Maybe that's where you need to work on. But yeah, she put her down. She got a two count. She gets the Queen Slayer locked in. Uh, but Sheeta was able to roll out of it. Hit a low form to the head. Uh, Sheeta tries for a suplex, but Anna Jay was able to cl- counter her for a very close three count. And uh, Sheeta ducks a clothesline. Hits a German suplex. Uh, hits a running knee to the face. And that does it. Kari Shida is still your woman champion. To no one's surprise. I mean, yeah, I could kind of see with how over on BTE the Dark Order's getting them maybe giving it to Anna Jay in a little bit. But she's been wrestling for like a year, so they're not going right. to do that, obviously. No. Uh, and honestly, I expected them to do something more with Anna Jay and, and Ty Conti after the match, but they didn't. They just left. Right. Um, peacefully. Peacefully, yeah. No, no problems. Uh, she celebrates on the stage. She starts walking out. She kind of looks back, and I'm like, okay, something's going to happen, because they haven't cut the commercial yet. And then guess who comes out? It's everyone's favorite female wrestler. Abaddon, crawling out with blood stripping out of her mouth. Yeah, real creepy. I'm horrified. I'm not going to sleep tonight. That's why we're recording the show right now, uh, because I'm not going to be able to sleep. (laughs) Carol said, if she's going to be there next week, I'm not sure I want to (laughs) go. Uh, man, Sheeta's face during this segment is definitely going to be a, a gif. Like, it was on, great. And like, she dropped right. back and like she was scared and everything. She like dropped back, dropped the title, like goes up against the thing. And, and Abaddon's standing there on the rampway and she grabs the belt and just drips blood on it and licks it. She's got blood all over it. Yeah. It was disgusting. Yeah. And like, instead of like letting the moment marinate, they just cut away. Yeah. Again, terrible production. And what do they cut to? They cut to Matt Hardy. Right. Okay, Matt Hardy's fine. This segment had no reason to be on the show. It okay, yes built... it did. Yes what, it did. Why? Why? Tell me. Tell me why. Because they're they're transitioning Matt Hardy to a new character. I, so I get have, that. Yeah, they have to introduce because you, you've seen this on BTE, but the people that only watch Dynamite have not seen this character at all. So this was actually a really important segment. 
So yeah. I guess so, but it didn't have to go here. And that it didn't is, have to that is interrupt. Fair. It didn't have to interrupt so much. Because we had like this moment. What should have happened? This should have been the main event, and the show should have went off with Abaddon standing there at the ring looking all creepy and Sheeta looking scared. Okay. Perfect ending to the show. But no, it just didn't have a moment to breathe. It was it was really poor in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, Matt Hardy's talking. He's he's basically being big money Matt, right? Uh, yeah. But he's a little different, I think. Yeah. Than being big money Matt, it's a little bit different of a gimmick. Um. So I think they're kind of saying basically, since he's beaten Sammy Guevara now, he's getting all cocky. He's saying that uh, everyone's had a tough year. But he wants to inspire everyone to fight on. It says if he can live through the, these odds, surely everyone else in their mundane, little, tiny, insignificant issues can. And he tells fans to consider, what would Matt do? He would survive, he would thrive, and he would win. So it's interesting to see them bringing this big money Matt character in. It's kind of like, I don't know, like the whole Matt Hardy thing in AEW kind of got my head spinning a little bit. Yeah, he's all over the place. He's but all over kind of what he's doing. That's kind of a thing. Right now. Um, so I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. I don't know who he's going to be feuding with, but, uh, I would honestly be okay if he just sticks with private party and maybe they go a little bit heel. Yeah. Be okay with that. I mean, I think they'd be pretty good at it. Agreed. Uh, we then cut backstage or something. I don't know what this was. It was like a freaking museum. Where was this? Is this in Daly's place? Did you recognize this room that, uh, Taz and, and not Taz, uh, team Taz was in? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I have no clue where it was. They were like, maybe it's like a trophy room or something for the Jaguars. I don't know. It was like immaculate. It looked like the, like the, I don't know, like like a museum, like I said. It's crazy. Uh, but you have Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Powerhouse Hobbs talking about Taz had to leave the building because he was so upset. Uh, Ricky Starks did a really good job here saying he loves being in AEW. Tony Khan treats them well. They get paid well. But he hates Cody Rhodes. He says that his paper-thin ego gets in the way of everything and that he's mad about losing to the group last week and he starts hyping up their match for next week, basically. Uh, really great promo from Starks. They all are, though. Yeah. I've never seen a bad promo from Starks. He's so good. Uh, Will Hobbs just stood there looking menacing and Brian Cage got his uh, little uh, catchphrase in. Yeah. what happened. Uh, we then have your main event of the night, which... I will say, was a better match than the previous match. However, I still think the championship should go last. If we're going to save for the men's championship, we need to save for the women's championship, especially if nothing's going up against it. But right. either way, uh, we have Eddie Kingston on commentary as always. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this match? What did you think about this match? You love Ray Phoenix, obviously. Pac yeah. is everyone's favorite. I mean, he's just fantastic. Yeah. But uh, I thought this was a good match. But what do you think about it? I also thought this was a good match. This was really interesting because the Butcher and the Blade, like the Butcher and Phoenix really played off each other a couple times here where like there was one spot where Phoenix was trying to get that springboard cutter in and Butcher just kind of shoved him off and it looked kind of weird because of the camera angle, mm -hmm. uh, but it was definitely planned and then Pac kicked him in the face. There were a couple spots in there that Butcher really looked like a big powerhouse and I think they're trying to push him. And every time I see the Blade... I, I basically, he looks like a trainer, right? He looks like someone that should own his own wrestling school. Yeah. And I don't know if he does. I've got no idea. But that's just the vibe that he gives me. I have no idea why. Uh, yeah, I can see it. He's yeah. just freaking jacked to the gills, man. Him versus Pac is like a freaking bodybuilding competition in the middle of the ring. Right. Yeah, they're gigantic. 
And the match ended with Eddie Kingston. Uh, he was, you know, talking about how Pentagon was his former best friend and how Phoenix was dead weight. And as Phoenix is going up top to hit some sort of uh, finishing move, I assume. Yeah. Eddie says, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He gets up. He shoves Phoenix off the top rope with Allie, given the distraction. And, uh, yeah, he Phoenix gets pinned. And the Butcher Blade win here, which is very surprising since Pac just came back. But the way that they did it, it was just fine. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's the right decision here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of hate to see Pac come in and lose and get beat up or whatever. But well, he just won last week. He, he didn't just lose won, the first match back. He just won last week. And... I think this is the right move for this feud. Yeah. And uh, after the match, you know, they, they all start beating up uh, the Death Triangle, basically. They've got a chair in the ring, and Pack hits two DDT, or I'm sorry, Kingston hits two DDTs on Pack on the chair. I mean, it was just brutal to watch. Pack's just laying there, like, lifeless. And, uh... It's just kind of holding on as the, the segment's breathing, and I'm like, okay, who's coming out for the save? Because yeah. it's coming, and whose music hits but Lance Archer. He runs out of the ring, immediately clearing out the blade. Uh, he takes down Kingston and the Butcher at the same time with a crossbody. Uh, commentary is basically saying that Lance Archer is sick of Kingston talking trash, and you know what? He just wants to fight. And I thought it was a really good explanation for him coming out here. Uh, they've had some stuff going on since the Battle Royale, but and I don't see this. A lot of people saw this as Archer coming out as a babyface for the rescue. No. I kind of feel like this is just Lance Archer seeing the opportunity to fight and be like, you know what? I'll go fight. That's fine. Yeah, he was out here to get revenge on Eddie Kingston. This has nothing to do <clears throat> with him helping the babyfaces at yeah. all. And I don't think we're going to see Death Squared or whatever as people were saying. Death Triangle. No, they're saying oh, Death Squared. Death because Square, and, uh, yeah. Having him on there, that would be a poor decision in my opinion. I don't feel like that group would fit very well. But uh, yeah, I I liked it. I thought Archer looked really good coming in. I, they got to do something with Archer, and they've got to have him win something. Like he's such a great talent, and he's such a big monster, but he's just not done anything since he came to AEW, right? Like he won the battle royale, yeah, kinda, but like he's he's every big match he's lost. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know, I feel like his loss to Cody is really what set it out for me. Yeah. But uh, I feel like he, he needs to have... He should have beaten Cody. He needs to have this segment, this uh, this feud, and he needs to win it. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to what they do with Archer and Kingston. Uh, honestly, Revolution, I want Kingston versus Pac. That's what I want. But okay. I would be okay if in the way to that, we get Archer versus Kingston. And I think Archer needs to win. So, we're going to see uh, what happens there. But yeah, overall, I thought this was a very, very good show that was just plagued with production quality issues. Uh, I think there was only one segment that I disliked. I have some disagreements with some of the decisions of the women's match. Um, I think if this didn't have any production qualities, it'd be probably an A-minus match, uh, A-minus show for me. But honestly, they were so, so distracting for me. I think it brings it down to like a B. Just because the, the show was great. The matches were great. 
but I can't overlook the misspelling Hikaru Shida's name. <laughs> I can't overlook the sound issues. I can't overlook the abrupt cuts. Just come on, guys. You got to do better than this. We've oh, said this before. I feel like I'm wasting my breath. Tony Khan, you're not listening. I know. It's fine. But, yeah, I'd, I'd give the show a B, I think. This is difficult because the production issues were a really big deal. I didn't hate the Sabian Miro stuff as much as you did, but I really liked the show overall. I thought the matches were really good. Yeah. I thought uh, Will Hobbs getting over was really good. There wasn't a spot on the show for me that I thought dragged on too long. Um, and the Moxley stuff, especially with Omega, is just so good. But the spot where he's just standing behind Omega's shadow, it, it, it is clearly <laughs> Mox, right? So good. You can tell it, his way stands. Yeah. It he's is like just, wide. It's so incredibly well done. And I want to mention something about AEW, but I'm going to grade the show first. And I'm going to give it an A- minus because I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I just had fun with it. I, I, this is the first show that I've watched from my couch uh, in a good little while. So, because we've been going live and it was nice to see. But I want to mention something about AEW before we close the show. And I'll get your opinion on this. When other companies, and I think mostly WWE, when they transition champions, usually one of two things are happening. Either the champion is getting stale, or the challenger who is becoming champion is either not ready, undeserving, or no one wants it. One of those two things is always happening. When Drew McIntyre won that title, he deserved it. Everything was great. Brock Lesnar was a stale champion, right? So I think we have to go back to 2019's WrestleMania to see a challenger and champion where no matter what happened, I would have been happy. If Daniel Bryan would have won at WrestleMania in 2019 and defeated Kofi Kingston, I would have said, you know what? That makes sense. Because Dan O'Brien is doing this weird Planets Champion gimmick. He could hold the belt for another six months, and it would be just great. But you know what? It's Kofi's time, so I think Kofi needs to win the belt, but I'm good with either. When Jericho lost to Mox, Jericho could have held the title a lot longer and would have sold out shows. He would have been a great champion. He would not have been stale, but it was Mox's time. Right now, Mox is in that position. Mox can hold the title He's probably still the hottest thing in wrestling. Yeah. Everything he touches turns to gold. He could be a title holder for another year. But right now is Kenny Omega's time. So I'm okay if if Mox goes over next week and Kenny Omega doesn't hold the title for another couple years. It's fine. Because Mox could stay champion. It's not stale. It's great. But I do think it's time to transition uh, and I think AEW does that really well, where no matter what the outcome is, both of these guys feel special. Neither of those guys feel old or stale. They both seem fresh. They both seem exciting. And no matter which one of these two guys go forward holding this title, AEW will still be in a good position. And I think they do a wonderful job with their men's world title in that aspect. Yeah, I agree. I can't think of a single AEW men's world title match that if it would have went the other way... I would have just been just distraught. Right. I mean, the only one that I think would have been kind of lackluster is Lance Archer. That's only because he lost to Cody for the TNT title. Right. Kingston, if he would have won the belt, would have loved it. Absolutely. Uh, Cody, if he would have won the belt off Jericho, would have loved it. If Jericho would have kept the belt from Moxley, would have loved it. Been fine. 
there's been no instance when if it would have went the other way, I would have been, you know, upset. So that is that is a great point. Yeah. And uh, and man, I don't know. I'm really kind of torn on how they're going with this next week. I don't. I think where I'm sitting right now, there's a good chance that Moxley keeps it and Kenny gets a rematch and wins it then. Yeah, maybe Revolution or something. I don't know. Like, does it feel to you like Kenny's going to win next week? He did. Moxley got the upper hand this week, and we see a lot of times in wrestling the guy who gets the upper hand the week before loses, right? That's a very WWE thing. Yeah, it's it's an AEW thing too. They've done that several times, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. And again, either way, I'll be happy. Be perfectly fine. Agreed. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, really looking forward to it. And we'll be sure to give you our review on it. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. And I think that just about does it for this episode 143 of Wrestle Life Radio. Tell them where they can find all our social media. Because I don't us- know. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. And you can follow me, of course, on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. That's right. And you can't follow me anywhere. Not on the street, not on social media, nowhere, because I'll watch you. I have a very particular set of skills, and I'll find you. Hmm. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We've really enjoyed recording this week because, uh, you know what? We, we kind of just talked about AEW, and that's what we love to do. That's why I started doing this show, because I like AEW and I like talking about it. And uh, we appreciate you watching. Thank you all for uh, recommending us to your friends and family, uh, sharing our social media. It really helps us out. And uh, yeah, be sure to tune in next week and be sure to tune in for Indie Focus. All those episodes are really great. Really uh, enjoy doing those. But yeah, yeah, we've got an episode with Corey Castle coming up this week. I do want to mention that uh, we apologize that our schedule these last few weeks have been kind of sporadic. We are changing our schedule around, so things have been a little hectic right now, plus with the holidays. So just work with us for the next week or two, and everything should be back to normal, hopefully next week. What have we decided on? Is it Tuesdays for Indie Focus and Fridays for the review show? I believe that to be the case, but I don't want to announce it officially because I'm not sure. Um, But I think that's what we're going to be doing. All right, you heard it here, folks. Officially, next Tuesday, (laughs) Indie Focus. Mm. No, it's... Just just stay tuned. Just sub- subscribe to us and wherever you get your podcasts, it'll pop up. And be sure to listen to it because I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> but that is our show for today. Thank you for listening. And I will hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. I stole That's your gimmick. That's my line. I stole it. It's mine. No. Yeah. <laughs>